Are you a member of the club of people that can't sleep, you're tired all the time, you're achy all the time, and then there's that incessant brain fog, and you go to the doctor, and they go, oh, you must, you must have emotional problems, you must be stressed, let me give you this pill. Well, guess what? It's not that simple. Chronic fatigue syndrome is a real thing. Fibromyalgia is a real thing, but most doctors don't know what to do with it. I'm gonna to talk today to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. He spent his entire career understanding and treating chronic fatigue syndrome. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. And be sure at the end, rate and review it, and share this podcast, because I'm sure you know somebody who's just as tired and just as achy as you. Hi, I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum, a board-certified internist and nationally known expert in the fields of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, sleep, and pain. Dr. Teitelbaum knows CFS and fibromyalgia as an insider. He contracted chronic fatigue syndrome while attending medical school, and he had to drop out for a year to recover. Since then, he's dedicated his career to finding effective treatment for it. He's published numerous studies on the subject and written 10 books, including the national bestseller of From Fatigued to Fantastic, and we have a book by him soon to be published by Bottom Line called Real Causes, Real Cures. You can learn more about Dr. Teitelbaum and his work, his information at vitality101.com, and you can buy some of his specially formulated products for fatigue at endfatigue.com. So welcome, Jake. Thank you for being here. Sir, it's always a pleasure to be with you and with Bottom Line. And today we're going to teach people, for those of you out there, even if you have this day-to-day fatigue and want more energy, or if you're disabled with chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, uh, we're going to give you the solution to the human energy crisis, and we will show you how to feel fantastic. I'm not sure that there are many people out there that are fatigued at all and lacking energy. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody. And with what's going on in the news, no, nobody's getting beaten down even further. I don't think at all. I think we should just end this right here. (laughs) <laughs> okay, let's well, not. We can go out and have, uh, come to Hawaii. We'll finish it off and just have some Mai Tais Ma- story. Excellent. Mai Tais it is. All right. Now, seriously, there are a whole lot of people who are suffering from a whole lot of fatigue and a whole lot of scratching their heads when they go to the doctors. So let's start off. Why don't you tell, I thought it'd be really interesting if you tell your story of your suffering from chronic fatigue, what you went through, and because I think people don't even necessarily, like, just they need to connect to it and realize what it is, how they know that it is, what you suffered through, et cetera. Well, Sarah, you know, people often ask, what's a nice Jewish doctor like you're doing in a field like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and holistic medicine? And I got into it the old-fashioned way. I, I had it. Um, I was in medical school. I was, uh, my dad was dead, so I was paying my own way through college. So I finished that in three years um, and was pretty much one of the youngest in the class of 300. And it was kind of rolling through medical school quickly while working as a nurse in children's hospital and doing all these other things. And that just kind of, those things were probably the easiest part of my life. Um, and I came down with what I call the drop-dead flu, nasty viral infection. Uh, the blood test showed that there was a nasty virus. It couldn't identify which one, but you could tell by the blood counts. Um, and two months later, I could still barely get out of bed and function. Were, you, were your yeah. symptoms the flu itself, like you were a headache and fever and all that sort of stuff, or it was just some mystery virus? It's just a nasty virus, yeah. you know, runny nose, headaches, fevers, uh, achy, you know, the whole normal viral kind of thing. And it wasn't mono? And, um, then, you know, that they, the professors, God bless them, they're sweet people, but they had no clue what was going on. And when I wasn't better two months later, they figured, oh, it must be medical student depression. You know, it's the old medical thing of... If I don't know what's wrong with you, you're crazy. You know, it's kind of a medical mantra. And were um, you st- did you still have fever at that point, or you just couldn't get out of bed? You just absolutely were dead to the I, world in terms of energy. I, I could get out of bed, but I had such brain fog. And uh-huh. they put me in, in the lab, which is kind of a simple place for med students to recover. And I kept contaminating the wells. I mean, I just couldn't. Just my brain was fuzzy. My energy was poor. It was just I was pretty non-functional. And at that point, since I couldn't work, um, I found myself homeless sleeping in parks in Tulsa. Um, and it's, it's as if the universe put a holistic homeless medical school sign on my park bench. Um, all of these people came by naturopaths, herbalists, energy workers, holistic doctors, and you know, 
they taught me what I needed to learn to recover. Sometimes they even had pizza or something with them when I ate. Well, you know, so I so you a couple days without eating. So what were you were sitting on a park bench literally for a year? Well, I was traveling around, hitchhiking right. when I could. I had this old dark, uh, Dodge Dart that is a cube of metal somewhere in Tulsa now, um, and it just so it. But the, the park was kind of my home base for a good part of the time. And I, I met people, you know, in different things as I was kind of moving around the country a little bit. But basically, I was sleeping in a car and then in the park. Um, and people taught me what I needed to learn to recover. Each of them taught me a bit, some pieces. In my case, it was candida, nutritional issues, and adrenal fatigue were three of the major things. Um, I was able to recover. Uh, I didn't even know I could go back to medical school. I thought my life was over as I knew it. But um, was able to get back into medical school uh, and got honors in medicine and have spent the last 45 years researching, writing, and teaching about chronic fatigue uh, and fibromyalgia. So did was there even something called chronic fatigue at that point? Or was this no. essentially a new diagnosis because you had something, there you were in medical school, and the all these great geniuses on the mountain had no clue what you were suffering except to tell you that you were depressed. Yep, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. It was, uh, yeah, there was not even a name for it. And when I started my own practice uh, in Annapolis, Maryland, after my residency, um, it was funny because I would have, I realized something was going on when I had people flying into my general medicine practice um, from all over the country complaining of the similar problems, fatigue, widespread pain, and brain fog. And most of them would be carrying a bottle of water that they stick on my desk. Um, and I was getting them better, applying these different things. And then uh, the diagnosis of uh, fibromyalgia, that label and chronic fatigue syndrome were developed by the different medical uh, societies. Um, so we actually had a label for it, but it was pretty clear what was going on even before we had a label. And so was, after, was it through your work actually almost that they created that label? Because beyond that, it was just this amorphous series of complaints? No, they, it wasn't based on my work. Uh, usually academic centers are not interested in what doctors in the field, especially holistic doctors, are finding. Um, but they, they basically developed the syndrome, which is a common mix of symptoms. Um, and, you know, a lot of holistic doctors knew this long before. Um, but what we're seeing was the result of the human energy crisis. And um, I'm, I think, the first one who realized that it was coming from what's called hypothalamic dysfunction, that basically when energy drops to a certain level, you trip a circuit breaker in the brain. And that circuit breaker called the hypothalamus controls sleep, hormones, temperature regulation, and blood pressure and pulse. Um, so all the biggest part of the symptomatology was coming from a, that and a couple other circuit breakers that got flipped off in the brain. Um, and that critical piece of understanding tied it all together. So you have, there are all these people that are complaining about it. You got a sickness, you got a virus, and it tripped something off. And yet it's this, you know, the, it's a, a complex of, of assorted physical ailments, right? So it's the emotional, physical, mental exhaustion, et cetera. So what's at the root cause of it? Is there a single cause or is it a process of burnout? I mean, I don't know what burnout is, but burning mm -hmm. the candles at way too many ends at the hypothalamus short circuits, or is it a stressful event that kicks that off? Um, or yes to all of the above. Let me give it the simplest way to look at it, Sarah. Basically, anything that causes an energy crisis where your body is spending more energy than it's able to make creates an energy crisis and trips a circuit breaker. When you trip that circuit breaker called the hypothalamus is when you go from having day-to-day -day fatigue to having chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. So, you know, burnout, your body doesn't care whether something is a situational stress or whether you have a nasty viral infection or cancer or any physical stresses, these are all stresses to the body. So for burnout, you know, it's just funny, a friend of mine gave me the best definition for burnout I ever heard. She said, it's when your soul grows too big for the role that it's playing. Um, it's way beyond that. It, this is um, basically, think of it as the human energy crisis, whatever, and there's hundreds of ways to blow a circuit breaker. 
Um, and there's hundreds of ways to trigger uh, hypothalamic dysfunction and CFS and fibromyalgia. So I've challenged people before. I've had conversations with different people on the show about, I'll call it depression and stress and anxiety. And there seems to be this growing crisis of hypothalamic dysfunction or excessive stress that trips the, the circuits. And yet, 100 years ago was really stressful. I mean, right now, again, things are stressful. But there were people that didn't know if their roof was going to fall in on them. They didn't know. Like, before a lot of modern conveniences, life was really hard. The Depression, people lived with, you know, on the streets for years and years and years. World War II, people lived... You know, it was hell for those people. And yet they didn't suffer this kind of chronic fatigue syndrome stuff that we're suffering mm. now. So what's, what's different? Well, there's a, couple, a, a number of things that are different here. Uh, one, until 135 years ago when light bulbs were invented, the average night's sleep in the United States was nine hours a night. Now we're down to six and three quarter, which is a 30% pay cut. Also, food processing, especially adding in sugar. If you go back a couple hundred years ago, if you wanted sugar, you have to sail to the West Indies to get it. Um, where now, 140 pounds of sugar per person per year dumped into our diet and food processing. Uh, we basically have lost half of the vitamins and minerals compared to what the normal diet was several hundred years ago. Um, the speed of life is increasing as well. It used to be, even though there was a chronic, life was hard in some ways. You had to work hard, there weren't all these labor-saving devices. In many ways, it was much slower. Um, you didn't have a media that was trying to scare everybody to death every minute, and even if they were, um, nobody had access to it. You know, uh, If you look down on a farm, you weren't hearing the stuff. The main stress is, is it going to rain for the plants? So it's a different kind of stress. Now people, are, every time they turn on the news, they get this fiction that's meant to scare them to death. It's meant to make you hate everybody and make you fearful so you'll keep watching. Um, and it, the speed of life is increasing. If you used to want to send a letter to somebody, you know, you'd put it on the Pony Express and if the rider survived, you might hear a response six months later. Where now you hit send and two minutes later, it's bing. So the whole speed of modern life is increasing. It's a very different kind of stress than it was hundreds of years ago. But even if you go back, um, if you look at Florence Nightingale, she had chronic fatigue syndrome of fibromyalgia. If you look at Dr. Arthur Nobel of Nobel Prize fame, he also had the illnesses. So it was present even back then. It was just less common. Mm, okay, interesting. Although we, we certainly, as you said, we're creating an environment for ourselves that are making us more vulnerable to these things, which mm -hmm. aside from the speed of life, but the lack of sleep, the quality of food is is creating bad soil for our brains. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, let's talk about those symptoms. So you referred to them quickly, but let's go through again. So what the primary, there are four primary symptoms of chronic fatigue. Yes. Fatigue, sleep problems, achiness, brain fog. Those are four that most everybody have, but there are literally hundreds of different symptoms that people can have. But looking at those four is a really good area because those are important for the general public as well. So taking a look at sleep, insomnia is pretty common. Um, and you're, you're going to find that the sleep center is in that circuit. Remember we talked about stress tipping the hypothalamic circuit breaker. And uh, so that's why the hallmark of this disease is a paradox if you can't sleep even though you're exhausted. Now, people ask, well, how everybody has some insomnia sometimes and everybody's tired sometimes. How do you tell the difference? Yes. Well, the difference is that if you have day-to-day -day fatigue, if you go on vacation for a week or two, you're going to feel better. And, you know, your energy will pick back up and you'll, your sleep will start to improve and you'll be back to yourself. Where with this illness, you can be bedridden for months and years and not recover. So, and uh, so the and difference is you've already tripped the circuit breaker and it throws you into a whole different situation. So, and define sleep problems. So, um, there's people that can't fall asleep. There are people that wake up in the middle of the night can't fall asleep. There are people that can't fall back asleep. There are people mm -hmm. that wake up repeatedly in the night, right? Versus mm -hmm. people that fall asleep. Like, I'll fall asleep, no problem. I'll sleep, I might get up once or twice in the night, but basically I'll get a good solid six hours, but I'm still tired during the day. I mean, so where's where does sleep problem go get defined? Like, where's is there a... What, 
at, at what point do you have, do you define it as a sleep problem or you simply have fatigue? If, if you're making time for sleep and you can't sleep enough to wake up refreshed, you have a sleep problem. So in many people, the problem is initiating sleep or falling asleep. Um, and there are many different herbal things that you can use. We'll talk about treatments as we go forward. Yep. But so the trouble falling asleep is often two main things. The sleep center is in that hypothalamic circuit. So that's one thing. But the other thing is the adrenal function. The adrenal gland is our stress handler. And normally we run high levels of about 18 in the morning and it has to drop under one or two at nighttime so you can sleep. So if your cortisol stress hormone is not dropping low enough for you to sleep, you're gonna feel like your mind is wide awake and racing at bedtime. And this is a, a classic part. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about adrenal fatigue now. When the adrenal stress handler gets exhausted, you're gonna find yourself irritable when hungry or, or hangry where your blood sugar is dropping. Um, and then many people who have that have their mind wide awake and racing at bedtime, so they have trouble falling asleep. And then when the cortisol finally does go down, then in the middle of the night, their blood sugar plummets, and they wake up with an adrenaline release from low blood sugar, and they wake up wide awake. So for those who wake up in the middle of the night, as you're describing, it's worth just eat a hard-boiled egg or two, three ounces of meat or cheese, anything high-protein. Carbs will make worse, but a high-protein snack at bedtime. And see if that allows you to stay asleep uh, better through the night. Other people are waking up frequently uh, because if they're having night sweats, it can be associated with hormonal problems, you know, menopause, things like that, uh, waking up to pee in the middle of the night. So it, the evaluation, we see people from all over the world, and my new patient's evaluation is three hours of my one-on-one -on -one time because there are literally hundreds of factors that need to be looked for that can contribute. But for those who wake up at 2 in the morning wide awake, you know, that kind of a thing, uh, try a protein snack at bedtime. For those whose minds are wide awake at bedtime um, and hangry during the day, um, some phosphatidylserine and ashwagandha an hour before bedtime will bring down the cortisol levels so you can sleep 60 to 90 minutes before bedtime. So what you just described to, to me in terms of people and their brains and, and adrenal fatigue, that's, that's half the people I know. I mean, is and you? I think I saw you quoted someplace talking that about thirty percent of the people have chronic fatigue. But based on this description, it's got to be way higher than that. Well, I'd say about, about we're looking at about three to six percent of the population with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, thirty-one percent with severe fatigue, adrenal fatigue. I would say anywhere from a quarter to moving up even to half of the population. It's funny. I have a. A video on YouTube of a lecture I gave to 500 doctors um, that I wasn't even supposed to go on YouTube, but it found its way up there, and it's got like 200,000 people have seen it. Um, I have another video, two-minute video on adrenal fatigue I put up that just topped 300 views last week, 300,000 yeah. views. So, but so you've got we've, they, these things seem to crisscross a little bit because I've got adrenal fatigue, you've got chronic fatigue, but yet there are elements of each other. So yes. are there, and then fibromyalgia. So are they, is it one big continuum? Are they subsets of each other? Or does it really not matter? And if somebody's suffering, then they need to address this, you know, we'll get to, again, your treatment protocol in a little bit. But like, it, like I'm trying to get to like, how does someone know that they have a problem and to address it in this way versus go to their doctor and have them give them a prescription? Good God, yeah, you go to the doctor. Understand that most of our training is in, uh, university hospitals where we see the sickest of the sickest of the sick. If somebody's too sick for a regular hospital, they would send them to the university center uh, or they were on, life, on death's door, and that was 95% of our training. Nobody ever taught us how to treat fatigue. Nobody taught us how to treat pain. They figured, well, if you can bring back somebody from the dead with CPR and da-da-da, then you'll know how to take care of fatigue and pain. It's like, no. <laughs> um, but so you have all these processes, many of which are just part of modern life. It's, it's kind of what I call mismatch illnesses, where all these different factors that weren't there 500 years ago are kind of dragging people down. Um, and it doesn't matter which came first. It doesn't right. matter if the chicken or the egg came first. It doesn't matter if your fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome trigger adrenal fatigue or if the adrenal fatigue is one piece of um, you know, the other, uh, you know, causing it in the other direction. It just, 
by the time people are feeling horrible, they usually have a mix of six, seven, eight different things. Um, it's funny because, you know, there's one of me, and like I said, my new patient visits are three hours, and I figured there's 50 million people worldwide with chronic fatigue syndrome, and I realized I can't take care of them all, and most doctors are still have a steep learning curve. Uh, I actually hold a U.S. patent for the computerized physician, which I made for people with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. Um, and it's, it's now been morphed into a free energy analysis program where people can find online. It's a 15-minute quiz. It'll analyze their symptoms and uh, even their lab tests if they have them. You don't have to have the lab test, but if you do have the test, it'll analyze the pertinent ones and determine exactly what the key causes are of the energy crisis the body is going through. Um, and this is something anyone can access? Yeah. What, um, what's the website? Go to vitality101.com. Right and click on step three. Just look for the energy analysis program or go to energyanalysisprogram.com and the quiz is there. And it's just, we used to charge $400 for it, but we told people that if they couldn't afford, they could do it for free. And 80% of people wrote back that they're financially devastated with the illness. So my wife and I decided just to make it free for everybody. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like there's a whole lot of people who need it and are scratching their heads, again, because they know that they feel a little bit crappy, but they don't quite know what to do with it. Now, let me ask you this aspect. So. Fatigue, sleep problems, achiness, brain fog, that sounds exactly like Epstein-Barr virus, mononucleosis, um, Lyme disease to some extent. So again, it, it are these- It sounds like anything that triggers an energy crisis in the body. And though, but those theoretically were virally based. So is the, would the same treatment protocols apply to this because the, these treatments is building the body back up? Well, so here's the thing. Any, uh, the SHINE protocol, the treatment approach, is geared towards optimizing energy production in the body and getting rid of what's draining the energy. It's kind of like if you have holes in your bucket and you're trying to carry water. It plugs the hole so you keep your energy and then fills the tank. Um, then you also have to look at, for that individual, what are the main things that are going on? Is it Lyme disease or viral or other infections? Is it a, you know, an abusive uh, home situation? Is it a hormonal problem or a mix of hormonal problems? There's, there are literally over 100 things that can cause people to blow a fuse. And that's why you need to look to see which one is causing it. And so you get rid of what triggered the circuit breaker. But even when you do that, the circuit breaker doesn't go back on by itself. Then you use the shine protocol to trip the turn the circuit breaker back on. But I'll note we've published a number of studies, including a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study, which showed that 91% of people with fibromyalgia got an average 90% improvement in quality of life by using this approach. Wow. And it seems that women are more susceptible to chronic fatigue than men? Yes. Uh, the chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia are, uh, in large part, immune problems. And if you look at most immune illnesses, whether uh, it's lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis used to be called hysterical paralysis. Um, and fibromyalgia, these are immune problems, and immune problems affect three times as many women as men. The, the rare exception would be autism. Um, but predominantly, uh, a woman has to be able to carry a baby for nine months without rejecting the little sucker as a foreign body. Um, so a woman's immune system is built differently than a man's, and it does make it more uh, susceptible to autoimmune and other problems. And that's because we allow these foreign, this foreign element into our body, so we have to be tolerant of it? Um, it's, that's just oversimplification. <laughs> I love to oversimplify things, because you know why? Everyone listening out there only likes so many syllables. I only like so many syllables. If it's too complicated, <laughs> they go, la, la, la. <laughs> and that's no disrespect for anyone listening. It's just the reality of our life. Indeed. <laughs> I like simple pictures. Um, all right, are there, is there, I want to get, get to the SHINE um, treatment protocol, because so I want to leave plenty of time for that. Is there anything in terms of some of the secondary symptoms, though, that you want to be sure we talk about? Bowel, low libido, depression, weight gain, any of that? So again, what you're going to find, especially will be the bowel and sinus symptoms. Um, and those of you who have nasal congestion, post-nasal drip, turning your throat loud, stuffy nose, um, and or gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, 
in most of those cases, it's coming from candida overgrowth. And because there's no test to distinguish candida overgrowth from normal growth, the doctors say there's no test, so it doesn't exist, which is insane. I found doctors don't even acknowledge candida overgrowth whatsoever, because I went through that. Because there's no test for it. And well, if, they if think we, it's, if we don't have a test yeah. for it, it doesn't exist, my dear. You're crazy. Yeah, they think it's hooey. Oh, those, yeah. oh, those people. Yeah. yeah. So you know, ignore them. You know, that, that's a kind of a clueless way to look at things. Um, it's kind of like a little child covering their eyes and saying, "I can't see you, so I'm invisible." It's like, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. So anyway, if you have the gas bloating, diarrhea, constipation, nasal congestion, find a holistic doctor to treat you for candida. Um, and that's basically six weeks of the medication Diflucan. One, the one pill treatment is not going to knock it out. Um, there's natural antifungals that can be very helpful. You can get something called Lufeneron online uh, from Canada. Um, there's Caprolex. Uh, there are many, many good natural antifungals, uh, good probiotic, like Pearl's Elite. Uh, cutting back sugar is a major thing. And for the sinus problems, there's a sinusitis nose spray. There's a silver spray that can be a little helpful. Um, but ITC Compounding Pharmacy has what's called sinusitis nose spray, and they send by mail. Uh, your doctor would need to call them. They would tell them how to prescribe it. They just say sinusitis nose spray. They'll guide them, and they can mail it to you. That plus the diflucan will knock out most cases of chronic sinusitis. Um, and you'll find that a lot of what's called irritable bowel syndrome goes away when you treat the candida, too. Now, let me... Mm-hmm. Let me say one thing, though. My understanding, when depending on the extent of the candida overgrowth, it's something you really don't want to do on your own. I mean, I always say that natural oh. medicine is not do-it-yourself medicine because depending on how bad it was, you want you need to carefully, I'll call it, you know, carefully taper how aggressive you are in killing the candida because then you end up with the die-off that then creates other problems. Yes. Uh, for these things, you're going to do best going to a holistic physician. Uh, again, I do treat people worldwide, and it can be done by phone. Um, but, you know, look for, for, for just the candida stuff. Um, better finding a holistic doctor in your area, but call before and see if they will prescribe Dexlucan. That will tell you whether they're a good person to see for this problem. If they say yes, um, then make an appointment to see and them. But, you... yeah, this is a, a, something you're much better having a doctor who knows what they're doing. But if you go to your standard physician, they're just going to pat you on the head and shoot you out of the office. And let me clarify, because there's so many different names that are used. Holistic physician, do you mean a naturopathic physician? Uh, in states where they can prescribe, yes. Uh, naturopaths are much more knowledgeable than most physicians uh, for pain and fatigue. Um, and if they can't prescribe in your state, then I would go uh, to the ifm.org website um, and find a holistic MD who can't prescribe. Is IFM the functional medicine Gang? Institute of Functional Medicine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. All right. Now let's move on to, and I love the fact that it's shine because you know I'm shiner. So <laughs> I thought that was. <laughs> Indeed. So, so you have your shine protocol for treatment, and I want to be able to go through all these and um, five elements of it sleep, hormone balancing, infection treatment, nutritional support, and exercise. So, sleep first and foremost seems to be top of the list because we've exhausted ourselves. Well, the thing is, whether you have chronic pain or chronic fatigue, if you're not getting your sleep, there's no way for your body to recover. And most people with this problem, the sleep center's not working, so they can't sleep and they feel stuck. Uh, But I'll tell you, having treated thousands and thousands of people with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, who I've told, we're going to get through your eight hours sleep a night so we can then move to the other things, and they look at me and say, Doc, they're crazy, there's no way. But virtually everybody, you know, I can count on my fingers and toes how many of those thousands we haven't been able to. Um, we are able to get them sleeping their good, solid sleep. So for most people with day-to-day fatigue, the first thing for sleep is make time for it. And it's funny, people seem to think that the first thing they should do is cut out the things they enjoy in life. Like, no, keep those. Like my ties of things you do, things that feel good, things that don't feel good. And the ones in the list that don't feel good, put a star by the ones that you're gonna be homeless or arrested if you don't do those. And all the rest of them start cutting them loose. Are you spending 45 minutes watching the network news at night? It's a fiction, turn it off, take that time for sleep. Are you have committee meetings that you feel are a total waste of your time? Or other things, cut them loose. 
take that time, use it for sleep, make the time. And then if you have trouble falling asleep, um, as we noted, if you are have your mind wide awake at bedtime, then there's a product called Sleep Tonight that has a phosphatidylserine and ashwagandha. Take it 60 to 90 minutes before bedtime uh, if, if your mind's wide awake. Um, but otherwise, uh, the best thing for sleep herbally would be something called the Revitalizing Sleep Formula. Uh, there's another mix that's awesome called Terrific Z's, C-Z-Z-Z. Um, and then for melatonin, uh, there's one you can get at Walgreens or Amazon. Uh, it's called Nature's Bounty Dual Spectrum 5 milligram. That melatonin works much better for people uh, than most that you're going to get off the shelf. So for most people, the simple natural things, um, taking a hot Epsom salt bath if it's wintertime, two cups of Epsom salts in a tub of hot water, and just take a nice soak an hour before bedtime. And little things can really help you fall asleep. And how about um, things like um, essential oils or and the basic sleep hygiene, like get off your screens, which, you know, I say it all the time, and yet I'm on the screen at 10 o'clock at night. Well, it's a good start, but the thing is that for people who have chronic fatigue some fibromyalgia, this is not a sleep hygiene problem. Their sleep center is not working. Uh, okay. But otherwise, you know, don't have caffeine late at night. If you have, you know, I have five kids, and I learned early on, you don't get them all riled up and then say, go to bed now. You have this bedtime routine where you calm them down into something that's familiar and they drift into sleep. When it comes to sleep, we're really just big kids. Big kids. So don't expect to do something that's got your adrenaline pumping um, and then go straight to bed. Just have a routine. That's why the Epsom salt bath with lighting some candles, having a glass of wine, um, a nice rewarding routine in the hour before bedtime. Uh, I like to read my book and it's, uh, you know, my books and I'll just sit there and then you drift right into sleep. How about something like um, binaural beats, you know, the sound frequencies? That There's a lot that can be helpful, especially the ones, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one, but mm -hmm. many of them, like the Delta Wave CD, that can yes. train the Delta and Theta Wave sleep, can mm -hmm. be helpful. Yeah, that's what, I've listened to that for 10 minutes before I go to sleep, and it's out like a light. Yeah. All right, let's talk about hormone balancing, because hormones are driving all of this, driving so it, much it, of it. It's a big part. Uh, so, now, I, I will add that for fibromyalgia and CFS, they usually will need a mix of low doses of several prescription sleep aids as well as the natural, where for people without it, a lot of times just the you know, natural will be fine. Now, for the hormones... Wait, let's go back to that for a second, actually, because I, I, I jumped over that, but okay, let's go back to it, because I was really surprised that you do list in Real Causes, Real Cures certain prescription sleep aids which are pretty powerful stuff the ambience and the lyricas that don't necessarily have a great reputation and yet you're recommending that to be part of this for those in need well, lyrica is a low i rarely use that one uh the ambient is the only family of medications that helps people to fall asleep the other ones help people to stay asleep the herbals can help people fall asleep um and the ambient is actually even though it's there's, it's not addictive at the low dose when you go over 12 and a half milligrams a day, it can be addictive. But at the lower doses, the problem is rebound insomnia. When you stop it, you won't sleep for 10 days. And there's a way to get around that. But, uh, but otherwise, it's not a bad medication. It certainly has its issues. Which is um, the one that has you sleep eating and sleep walking and sleep driving? It, yeah, and maybe 1% of people or less. Yeah. So those, you don't do it. You know, <laughs> if, they're, if they find themselves driving to the Baskin Robbins to get a banana split, you know, when they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, those don't, don't get to use it. That's so, so comforting. But, but the other ones, like there's Flexerol, a tiny dose, Trazodone, a tiny dose, um, Xanaflex, a tiny dose. So just using tiny doses of these other medications is uh, generally very, very safe. And, are and the, people, is this just temporary, though, that you can you start so that you can start to build up the sleep and build up your body, and then you can wean off of those? Most of them... Uh, people find, in our study, it's a two-year mark. Most people were continuing to improve and have been able to wean off of most of the treatments. So these treatments are kind of like a crutch after a sprained ankle. You use it to help your body strengthen, and then you throw the crutches away. But I do recommend that people take something for sleep, and it doesn't have to be a medication. Uh, it can be just revitalizing sleep formula. Um, and something for sleep, and the multivitamin we'll talk about, uh, those two should be taken long-term 
because otherwise people become too susceptible to tripping a circuit breaker again. Gotcha. Okay. All right, let's talk about hormones. So, Which are never an easy topic to talk about. Well, hormones are fun because hormones are a body's communication system. Uh, but it's important to realize that the blood tests that doctors are using, or not so much the testing, but the way they're interpreting them, is a god-awful, horrible, useless, meaningless disaster. How do you really so, feel? You know, uh, Dr. Oz is a friend of mine. He's a very good man, despite the, he ticked off some drug companies, so they decided to do a smear campaign against him. But he's, he and his wife, Lisa, are really solid, good people um, and really care about people. And it's funny, when I was having a show with him, uh, I'd give him this analogy to understand the normal range for blood testing. And I lecture to physicians a lot. And I love asking the question, where does the normal range on the blood test come from? Because most doctors ignore the person they're treating and just look as the test normal. And so you'd think they'd know what normal means. And it's, it's like if I have 500 doctors in the audience, when I ask that question, it's like looking at 500 deer in the headlights. They have eyes wide like, I have no idea where the normal range comes from. I guess wise old experts get together and say, if it's in this range, it's fine. It's like no such thing. All the normal range means is that you're not in the highest or lowest 2.5% of the population. It's called two standard deviations. But they take 100 people, the 95 in the middle is normal range. So if I wanted to make a normal range for shoe sizes, I would take 100 people, normal range for shoe sizes would be, say, size 6 to 13 or size 5 to 13. So I wear a size 12 shoe, and if I got mixed up and had a uh, size 7 shoe, I go to the shoe doctor, and the shoe doctor say it's size seven. It's in the normal range. There's no problem. And Sarah, if you put on my size twelve, they tell you the same thing. Right. So uh, that was an analogy that you know, Dr. Oz likes to run with. I gave it, and he said, "Don't go for it." But it's funny. But I, even I the blood test is what I was going to say. Even is blood test the best way to test to test for? Yeah. Um, hormones versus like a urine test or what about all the doesn't saliva tests? What, doesn't matter what test. The yeah. test normal range means you're not in the highest lows or lows yes. 2.5% of the population. So if you have an income of $8,100 a year, you know, poverty is under 16000 but medically you're normal. So for the test, for hormones, here's the thing. That the test is normal means nothing. Um, low thyroid I mean, the test gives you an idea where you fall in 100 people. So if you're in the lowest 5% and you're tired, achy, weight gain, cold intolerant, if you have any two of those symptoms, then most people deserve a trial of uh, bioidentical thyroid hormone by prescription to see if it helps. Uh, for the adrenal, um, if you get irritable and hungry, that is a sign of low adrenals. I mean, I can give you a dozen other symptoms. But that will tell you right there. Uh, tendency to low blood pressure, uh, you know, a little lightheaded when standing sometimes, uh, frequent recurrent infections that take forever to go away, low adrenal. Uh, how do you tell if your estrogen and progesterone being low are contributing and you're not menopausal? Well, if your fibromyalgia symptoms, not the PMS, but the achiness, headache, insomnia, uh, fatigue are worse throughout your menses when your estrogen and progesterone are plummeting. That tells you that the symptoms are low estrogen and low progesterone related. And testosterone, again, you have symptoms of low libido, depression, high cholesterol, high blood pressure in men when those are low. So, uh, so that the test is in the normal range means nothing. So are you suggesting then, Jake, that people, if they've got symptoms that rather than test when they work with their practitioner, that they should basically treat without testing based on symptoms? No. Okay. I, t I use the testing as one piece of information, but that the test is normal does not negate the symptoms. If the person has the symptoms, unless the test shows it to be on the high end of normal, I'm going to give a therapeutic trial of the hormone to see if it helps with how they feel. And is it okay if somebody gets a cocktail of hormones, if they get a little thyroid and a little progesterone and a little... Absolutely. Yeah. Your body is making a cocktail of hormones every minute of your life. That's how it wants it. And then how about, so, and you're talking about bioidentical hormones. You're not talking about the horse urine hormones. Yeah. I mean, the, the only reason, by and large, that they make the synthetic hormones is because you can't patent the bioidentical hormones, which means you can't put them through the FDA process um, as easily. And it, it just, there's no money in it. 
And that's why they use things that are patentable, even though they're much more toxic and much less effective. So when somebody starts using these hormones, and actually through all of this, is it, is it a gradient? You start out with a higher level of hormones, and then will you graduate off of it? Um, so you, know, will you, we... start, you start low, mm -hmm. and then you slowly move the dose up to see what feels the best, keeping it within a certain range for safety. And then, and is then it... you check the blood test to make sure that it's not too high. Um, and then as people heal up after about two years, and their body, has, uh, the, that hypothalamic circuit that controls hormone production is waking up, then people find they can often wean down off of many of the hormones. Well, or, can the hypothalamus all. be fixed? Or will, once, once you pop that circuit, will you ever return to normal hypothalamus function, or will you forever yeah. be needing to support it? No, no, I mean, I, I feel great. You know, yeah. I, if you look at my schedule, I've, uh, you know, I'm on the lecture circuit, I'm traveling about every six weeks, seeing people, if you saw, you know, writing books, uh, I mean, it's, uh, my schedule will make most people head spin, but right. the key is I'm doing stuff I love. So, you know, people ask, can I ever recover? And, you know, I, and then once they recover, they ask, well, can it ever come back? That's a big question, because I have people get well and feel great regularly. I mean, it's a normal thing in, in my practice. Um, so I, I tell them it's as if you had a home and you tripped a circuit breaker and you called five electricians who had no idea there was such a thing as circuit breakers. And they checked the light switches and they said, there's nothing wrong with these, they're crazy. And they said, the lights don't work, you know, and they leave the house. The sixth one comes in and, and says, here, look in the closet behind all these clothes, see this little panel and see circuit number six is flipped off. And you look at the circuit box and see six controls, sleep hormones, temperature regulation, autonomic. And they click it back on. And first time they click it on, all the lights go on, and then they go off again. And he says, oh, something's tripping it. He says, look, these five things, space heaters are plugged in, they unplug it. He trips and puts it on, the lights stay on. And, you know, as he's walking out of the house, the person says, can this ever happen again? And the guy says, yeah, if you overload the circuit again, you're going to blow the fuse. You're going to trip the circuit breaker. So, yes, um, our research shows and our clinical experience you absolutely can turn the circuit breaker back on and feel normal and healthy and get your life back. Um, and um, if you go back to what made you sick in the first place, you can blow the circuit again. So in most cases, we've, we've cleared out those things and taught the person to kind of take a look at their life as well to see what the things are that blew their fuse, whether they're physical or situational. Um, but for in real life, what I find is that, you know, not uncommon, a lot of people I haven't heard from from seven years is I was doing great and then they have this panic, but the symptoms started coming back, I say, don't panic. There's one of three things. Did you stop the multivitamin? Number two, is your sleep going down? Number three, is, is your candida coming back, which is stuffy nose, gas bloating, diarrhea, constipation. 95% of the time it's one of those three. Right. Just stress those. So it's interesting, actually, that through the SHINE protocol, you don't talk about a lot of the lifestyle changes in terms of, like, I'll call it restorative practices, like meditation and um, counseling for emotional distress and all of that. How come that's not part of it when clearly they do need to make some lifestyle changes so they don't blow a circuit again? Because there's only so much room in that chapter in the Real Cause, Real Cure book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you didn't have a letter. The chapters are thousands and thousands of words long. I think you should rename it the uh, Shiner practice, and then R is for restorative. Go on. So I'll license it to you. The, here's the thing: <laughs> most people have been so brutalized by the medical profession, implying that they're crazy. The, my beginning focus is I like to start with what are the physical things that need to be addressed. Yes. Just like if somebody has a cancer, I'm going to address what are the physical things that need to be done. Then, just like if somebody has a cancer, I'm going to look at the mind-body issues and the situational and the stress. So, part of resetting the circuit breakers. Now, there are a number of different techniques. Uh, one is called the dynamic neural retraining system. That is a mind-body technique that can reset that circuitry. Um, there's a book, the e-book I wrote called Three Steps to Happiness, uh, which is available on Amazon. It's funny, I had just done a run of like 6,000 of them for my patients like 20 years ago, and then they ran out, and I, I looked one day, and they were going for $300 a piece. Oh my gosh. On Amazon, I just put it out as an ebook for 10 bucks again. 
um, so that's available. That walks people through the mind-body components. But that's a critical piece too. But it's important to start, as with any illness, I like to start with the physical aspects first and then move people into the mind-body-spirit component. Yeah, and that way they're able to see the progress. I got it now. All right, let's talk about infection because I'm, I'm making you talk way too much. So infection treatment, um, we talked about that CFS isn't necessarily a germ ailment though. Like we said, it's not necessarily Epstein-Barr or some virus that kicked you into it, but it's not at the root of it per se. So what there infections are, are you treating? There are literally dozens of infections, right. some of which can trigger the disease, and others which are hitchhikers that come in when your immune system is down. So part of the evaluation process, the most important is candida. Uh, then antivirals, uh, there's a subset of people who have chronic flu-like symptoms who've had the onset of the flu-like illness that I will go with antivirals. Um, certainly the Lyme disease and other antibiotic-sensitive ones uh, have a different symptom pattern. And in those cases, I will consider the antibiotics. But that's something that you really have to look. Um, but the biggest bug that you're looking at by far is the candida. Candida is a massive-sized organism. And most people with fibromyalgia need the, the natural antifungals, probiotic, and the uh, Diflucan 200 milligrams a day for six weeks. And I'll use the sinus spray with the Diflucan for the six weeks. And with the candida also requires dietary changes? Cut back to sugar. Yes, and that's all all forms of sugar. So alcohol, all the no, no. simple alcohol carbohydrates. Is okay. The problem with alcohol, yeast grow by fermenting sugar. Alcohol has already been fermented. There's no, no food in it anymore for the yeast. Um, the problem is that some people who have candida, they feel sick when they drink alcohol, so they don't drink it. But it doesn't make the yeast grow. Interesting. Okay, so your categories are then what? So straight, processed sugar, simple carbs. The whiter, you know, all the white, yeah, white baked goods and stuff. Cut out, the, cut out the sugar. Okay. How about? You, know, you can have a fruit, but don't, you know, don't drink orange juice or soda that has, you know, if you have one of those thirty-six ounce big burp sodas, that's twenty-four spoons of sugar. And how about just fruit juice, which also is high uh, sugar? Same amount of sugar, soda. Right. So no Eat sugar. The fruit, so skip the juice. But real fruit is fine. Yeah, you can have yeah. a whole fruit. That's no problem. Gotcha. Okay. Now speaking, this then moves into nutritional support. The end of, of shine. So, well, here's the simple thing. You know, for most people with this illness, there's no one diet that's best for everybody. But in a high-protein, low-carb diet that cuts out sugar and increases salt and water intake is the diet that will leave most people feeling the best. But people should try different things, see what feels the best for them. Uh, sugar is like an energy loan shark. You'll feel a little better after you have it, but then it's going to make you crash. Um, so you want to cut out the sugar. Uh, you want to eat foods that are food, you know, that are as close to whole as you can get them, not some processed food-like substance. It doesn't mean you can't have your pizza. I think pizza's just fine, you know. But And you don't have to be vegetarian. Some people feel better being uh, vegan or vegetarian. Other people feel sick as a dog. There's, again, no one diet fits everybody. See what fits the best, feels the best for you. A subset of people do better with a low gluten, uh, low, uh, not low, but a gluten-free, dairy-free diet. Um, and it's worth 10 weeks of trying that, even though it's a pain, um, and see if it rocks your world. And then nutritional support's important. Uh, there's a multivitamin that I recommend for everybody. It's called the Energy Revitalization Systems Vitamin Powder. One drink replaces over 35 pills a day. It's cheap simple um, and it's really outstanding for energy for most everybody um, and then we published a study using uh, ribose which is a natural uh, it's a sugar of all things but it's the backbone of energy production so it makes ATP or your energy dollars in your body and in two published studies it increased energy an average of 61 percent so it's, it's kind of expensive, so we put out one called Shine Ribose that you can get at nfatigue.com, and that's about half the price of any of the other forms that you, most of the forms that use the bioenergy, that's a form of ribose you want to use, that's a form used in the study. Um, so I just do one scoop of vitamin powder and one scoop of the Shine Ribose each morning, and most people will find just that simple drink each morning will turbocharge your energy, it'll have a dramatic effect. Um, and that's even I, no matter if they have the healthiest diet, if they're not eating donuts, they're eating, you know, yep. salads, protein, still because their body is so worn out, they need the additional yep. nutritional support. 
I think it's very hard in this country, even if you're spending 26 hours a day shopping, cooking, and growing your food, to get a, a good nutritionally solid diet. So that's worth trying. People try it for a month, and they, they will see. Hmm. Um, Tell me about the increased water and salt. Well, the thing is, one of the hormones that's low in the illness is antidiuretic hormone or anti-peeing hormone, which means you're like a bucket full of holes trying to hold water. And that's why people with illness drink like a fish and pee like a racehorse. Um, so they're drinking more than everybody else, but peeing even more than that. So what you need to do is to drink more water, and salt is the sponge that holds water in your body. If you salt restrict with this illness, you're going to crash and burn. Your body will want a lot of salt, in most cases, with five ounces. So as long as you don't have high blood pressure. And if you have high blood pressure, you need to look for sleep apnea. But um, and most people have low blood pressure with this illness. And frankly, most people do better eating as much salt as they feel like eating. Uh, it's more the sugar being low. Uh, salt has a very tiny effect on high blood pressure. Uh, the highest salt diet versus the most non-doable low salt diet only affects blood pressure by three millimeters. Uh, blood pressure is more a potassium and magnesium deficiency than a salt excess. Well, and also I think if, as long as you're eating natural foods and not eating processed foods, you don't have a lot of salt in there anyway. Yeah, it's, let your body tell you. Sugar is an addiction, so that's why you gotta be careful. But salt isn't. When your body's craving salt, it's because it wants it. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting. There, I've again spoken to a lot of different people. There's the diehard vegans. There's you know the diehard meat eaters, and that your understanding and respect of pay attention to your body. And I, I've long believed this: that different bo different bodies feel good on different things. There are things that make other people feel great, and I don't feel great on it. And there are things that make me feel great, and other people don't feel great on it. Just so. Individuals. What a concept. Yeah, we're all different. <laughs> I think that's one reason why there's such a variety of food on the planet. If you all needed the exact same thing, then yeah, maybe that's all there would be. But there's a wide variety, and that's, people need a wide variety. And I know there's been times in my life I've been vegetarian, and times that I'm doing really heavy work where I really need the grounding that comes with having the meat. There's no right or wrong in this. It's a matter of what feels best to you, what works best to you. Right, absolutely. All right, and let's talk about exercise because same thing. You, you talk about moderate exercise. This isn't about you know running a marathon. This is just start moving. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you'll have people who go to the doctor and doctor just exercise more, and you know, and they feel like you want to strangle the doctor because say I'm bedridden over here. Can't you see? You know, I'm in a wheelchair, and it gets kind of crazy. But with any illness, whether it's cancer or anything like that, maintaining conditioning as able is important. So a simple walking program, see how far you can walk without triggering the post-exertional malaise where you feel like you got hit by a truck the next day. And see what's comfortable. And then after 10 weeks on the shine protocol, energy production will be skyrocketing. Then you're gonna suddenly have the energy to begin conditioning. Then you may wanna increase your walk 50 minutes every couple days, uh, 50 steps every couple days. Um, and then you can start the conditioning and the healing spiral. But to, to just just exercise to get better from this disease is an insanity. Right, but there's, I mean, it, is it, though, there are ailments, I mean, arthritis, things like that, where they actually say the less you exercise, the worse you feel. So that, you know, if, you, if somebody with chronic fatigue plays into the I'm too tired to move, do they need to push, push through it, or is it different? They're going to decondition and feel worse right. with any health condition. Right, so no matter Cancer, what, moving, oxygenating is. is good. You you gotta stay at least moderately conditioned. It's kind of a use it or lose it thing. Yeah. You know. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk for a couple of minutes about pain. So that was the Shine protocol for, for primarily for the energy. Yes. So let's talk mm -hmm. about pain for a couple of minutes because um, mm -hmm. you wanted to talk about that as well. The fibromyalgia aspects of it, the chronic pain aspect of this. Yeah. So when you have the pain, there's seven kinds of pain in fibromyalgia, and most pain, fibromyalgia are not fibro pain, uh, can be effectively treated unless you go to your doctor, because your doctor has had virtually no training. Um, well, I mean, they've been trained to give you uh, ibuprofen family medications, which kill about 50,000 Americans a year, and you won't hear that. Um, this is massive research. You won't hear on TV, because that's the biggest, one of the biggest advertisers. Um, so 
and then if there's something that's profitable to cut on, then you know they'll learn about that. But that's really about it. Most pain can be effectively treated, um, and the real cause, real cure book will go through it. Uh, I have a phone app called Cures, C-U-R-E-S, capital A dash Z. It's a free phone app. You can look up whatever kind of pain you have. It'll tell you how to make it go away. Um, and there's a two buck upgrade, which is uh, should be for thirty bucks, but it's, it's, it will give you even more information. But most of it's in the free app. So each kind of pain is like the oil light on your body's dashboard saying something needs attention. And the medical approach to dealing with this annoying flashing red oil light is basically to put a band-aid over it and then smash it if that doesn't work. Um, and putting a band-aid over your oil light, you know how that works out, so you burn your motor out. So our research has shown if you simply give your body what it needs, the pain goes away. It's like you put oil in the car, oil light goes out. Um, so fibro pain, the main source of pain is the low energy causes the muscles to get locked in the shortened position. That's why if after a heavy workout, you don't come home with your muscles loose and limp, they're tight. Um, so when there's low energy, the muscles get locked in the shortened position and they hurt. Um, then that chronic muscle pain triggers what's called central sensitization of brain pain, which then triggers nerve pain and they're off to the races. So there are a couple things um, the fibro pain is very, 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 very treatable. A couple things you can do on your own at home. There's a wonderful mix called curamin, uh, not curcumin, but C-U-R-A-M-I-N. Uh, two tablets three times a day, one to two tablets. Give it six weeks to see the full effect. Um, hemp oil, but again, brown matters. how you see hemp select form. That's because there's a lot of quality control. Um, but three twice a day and five at bedtime if needed for sleep. Hemp oil is a bit pricey, but it can be very helpful. Um, and there are literally dozens of natural and prescription things that are non-narcotic that can get people pain-free. And I want to make a, a quick comment about this whole current war on narcotics or war on people in pain. Um, the, the chronic narcotics can be much safer than the chronic pain, but most people can get pain-free without narcotics. I will note, again, 5,000 people a year die from overdoses from prescribed narcotics, uh, except for the ones that diverted to street use and sold there. 50,000 die from ibuprofen-related medications. That little piece of perspective can really put everything in a, in a much clearer picture. Interesting. Now, though, but based on what you're saying, though, a lot of that pain, just by, again, going through the protocol, calming your body, strengthening your body will allow it to relax and ease a lot of this pain. When you do shine, over half of the pain will go away right. simply with that. And how about stretching? Stretching for tight muscles is critical, but until you treat the underlying energy crisis, the muscle will just pull back into the shortened position. That's why when you go for chiropractic and massage work, it feels better for three, four days, but then the muscles keep going back to the shortened position. Once you use shine to restore energy productions, then when you get these muscles stretched with the other treatments, then they stay stretched longer and longer until they stay stretched permanently and released. So this is the perfect example, this is a perfect picture of holistic medicine, where you've got some, some, some symptom that you're complaining about, but it's a whole body treatment that allows, that eases that, that it really is un understanding and addressing the entire system and how the system works together. A perfect example. Well, thank you. And Sarah, can I give some exciting new news about the research study that we're just wrapping up right now? Uh, yeah, quickly, because okay. we've, we've uh, been there's, talking there's so long. and yes. that we're giving this new supplement that's a serum product uh, in people with fibromyalgia. What we're starting to see is that a dramatic improvement, an average about 60% increase in overall well-being and brain and cognitive function and energy. Um, for more information, the product won't be available until the probably mid-April um, or so, but you can go to a website, recoveryfactors.com, and we should have the research report uh, on there fairly soon, and uh, we're making it, we're looking to have it be available in the United States, so it should be available soon. But this is going to be another dramatic, uh, beneficial treatment. Uh, people in the study are, are like, where can I get it now? It's just, it's been really helpful people so we're really excited wow all right dr jake Teitelbaum, we could go on and on you are a fountain of 
of information. You've got more websites that I know what to do with. The basic, <laughs> the basic content and more information on um, chronic fatigue, vitality101.com. The supplements, a lot of the supplements are nfatigue.com. And I also want to mention again the, um, that that energy analysis where somebody can do a self-analysis and understand do they really have this issue, that's also at Vitality 101 and look for the energy analysis program. Is that right? Uh, Indeed. So it'll tell you, do you have it and how to restore energy to make it go away? Fabulous. Thank you so, so much. We, and you will be back. We have a, a series, just for future reference, we have a series. We're going to do several different podcasts with Dr. Teitelbaum. I'll call it once a month or so. So stick around, people, and uh, he'll be back. Thanks, Jake. Uh, thanks, Sarah. I'm talking to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum about the epidemic of chronic fatigue. 30% of Americans complain of chronic fatigue and 25% complain of chronic pain. Yet the medical establishment does not have a consistent understanding of treatment plan nor how to address the issue. Since a bout of chronic fatigue forced Dr. Teitelbaum to drop out of medical school, he's been researching the most effective ways to help sufferers regain their strength, ease their pain, and live their lives fully. Jake has been providing Bottom Lines readers with strategies for preventing and conquering ailments for many years. His insights appear regularly in our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, which is filled with information from America's leading experts on not just overcoming chronic fatigue and pain, but on all aspects of your life, including travel, the best insurance coverage, living a healthy life, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips of all time from our experts. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.